welcome to the Scary Basement Jump Scare. Each month, me and my friend Roxy find ourselves suddenly and jarringly back in the scary basement, and we're never ready for it. I'm Mikey McCaller, and I was in the middle of making my bed, refilling my water bottle, doing shoulder lifts with tiny weights I got once from a yard sale, and charging my devices. And I'm Roxy Folk, and I was in a holiday mood, so I decided to watch the most holiday-themed show of all time, Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> Specifically, the episode, and all through the house. Hey, I know about all through the house, the episode of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> now do you, Mikey? And Roxy, since we're already down here in the scary basement, what do you say we do the thing we always do in the scary basement and recap that thing? We might as well. We're here anyway, right? We're here! <laughs> what do we got to do? It's Christmas. <laughs> we're on break. Yeah. We open on the Crypt Keeper, dressed as Santa, who introduces tonight's tale, a story about Christmas. Then we meet Joseph, a big lug of a husband, and his wife, named just The Wife. It's Christmas Eve, and after Joseph berates her for a beat, the wife grabs the fire poker and drives it into his brain. This wakes up the wife's daughter, Carrie. The wife leads her daughter back to bed, saying the little girl's stepfather is only sleeping. She then opens her little girl's window so Santa can get in. Before saying that this year, the wife's already got what she wanted. Wink. As the wife drags Joseph's body outside to huck it into a well, we hear a news report. An escaped mental patient who's killed a number of women is roaming free, dressed like Santa. Outside, Joseph does the one last gasp thing before he dies and tries to strangle her. The wife fends off her now ex-husband in more ways than one, only to turn around and find that that mental patient is here, ready to axe it up. Oh boy, is he dressed like Santa. The wife eventually knocks the evil Santa unconscious and calls the police, until inspiration strikes. The wife can cut up old Joseph's body with the axe and pin the murder on the Santa psycho. She hacks him up and goes to report the murder to the police, only to find that the evil Santa has woken up and having ripped the axe out of Joseph's corpse, is back on the prowl. The wife calls the police, who tell her to get a weapon. She goes for Joseph's gun, which is upstairs in the closet. This lady then locks herself in that closet, while evil Santa puts up a ladder and crawls past the window that, reminding you, is in the closet. That's when the wife realizes, baby girl Carrie's window is open. The race is on. Will Carrie use her phenomenal strength to deadlift this adult man? into the house before the wife can get out of the closet? Uh, the answer is yes. The wife escapes only to find Santa is inside the house, hand in hand with her daughter. He holds the axe and asks, naughty or nice, as the wife screams her freaking head off multiple times for what feels like half an hour. It's so long. <laughs> then the Crypt Keeper comes back and does a bunch of puns before he goes like, uh, the little girl was okay. It's such a weird, <laughs> the Crypt Keeper is worried about offending our sensibilities in this sense. Don't worry, that little girl was not harmed. He's like, he only likes killing adult women. It's just yeah. <laughs> messing with her, I guess. But also that means he wouldn't kill the husband. So a uh, nice plan, lady. I thought that too. <laughs> First of all, I had a lot of anxiety about like this fear that, I don't know, if you have dreams like this, where you've done something so evil, and it's just like, well, there's no going back. That's just the rest of my life is dealing yeah. with this evil I've done. The wife seemed unperturbed by having murdered her husband. Well, she also calls her like boyfriend on the phone, like on their regular landline, and is like, hey, here's this incriminating phone call. Hey, boyfriend, we killed him. We got all the money. Merry <laughs> Christmas. That's great. <laughs> And her new boyfriend is like, what's up, babe? How's your tits? <laughs> She's just like, 
don't worry, I pulled off our plan. It's like, this is going to happen again. Wait, did he seriously say that? He said something like that. I don't remember. That was was certainly the vibe. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds Uh, like a real winner. Listen, I loved this episode. I loved Tales from the Crypt growing up. And I had seen this episode and didn't remember it until I watched it again and was like finding myself predicting moments that are insane that I shouldn't remember. Like when she went into the closet, I was like, is there a window in this closet? And there was. Why would there be a window? But I remembered that scene of seeing the Santa Claus climbing past her in the window closet. And so did did you see the actual episode or did you watch the Tales from the Crypt movie? Because this episode was in that. It's like it was in the movie. Yeah, the movie is like an or this one in particular was an anthology style thing. So they have like mm-hmm. four or five, I think, short stories in it, and one of them was this. So I was like, "Wait, I have seen this, but now I can't remember if it was the movie that I saw or if it was the individual episode or both." <laughs> hmm. I definitely, I, I probably saw the episode because I watched okay. this show a lot, uh-huh. and. <laughs> I remember specifically, like, my mom not knowing if this was, like, an appropriate show okay. for a child to watch. And my aunt also, like, calling my mom and, like, leaving a voicemail that was just like, this show is the devil, and if you let your son watch it, he's going to be consumed by the devil. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, no. My you, you know what? She turned out to be not wrong. I definitely <laughs> prefer the devil to God, that fucking dick. Uh, so, but I, I remember, like, my mom... Uh, had me record an episode of Tales from the Crypt, and then she would watch it and let me know one way or the other if it was appropriate for me to watch. Okay. And the episode that I happened to catch was like the most tame episode of Tales from the Crypt there ever was. It was like this guy was just like stuck in the desert, and he was like crawling around, and then he died, and then a vulture ate his eyes. And it was like, (laughs) all right. What an episode. (laughs) And so my mom was like, I guess you can watch this if you want. It's super fucking dull. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, that's, it just, that's perfect. Though. I remember thinking, like, this is not the episode to judge this on. Yeah, but you're not going to tell did. your mom that because you want to watch all the episodes. That, no. Yeah. No, Kid yeah. Mikey knew what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think I watched this episode because I was so excited and would stay up late to watch it. And how oh, that vibe when you're a kid that you're when you're doing that, like staying up late to watch a thing like on your own, which maybe you shouldn't be watching. <laughs> Absolutely. It feels like I found something and was like on the inside. There's this feeling that I get from like Tales from the Crypt gives it to me. Mystery Science Theater 3000 gives it to me. Mm. And even for whatever reason, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia gives it to me. Oh, that's a much later show than I was expecting you to come up with. What? But, But there's something about like... Like a vibe of of finding it on TV late at night and watching it and feeling like you're the only one who knows about this. Mm, mm-hmm. um, this was maybe before Sunny in Philadelphia was popular. Okay. And just feeling like it's all yours. Yeah. Yeah, I know the exact <sighs> same vibe you're talking about. I think X-Files was another show like that for me growing up as mm-hmm. a kid. Because like my parents specifically would not let us watch it. So if I was a- ever able to, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like under the radar so they wouldn't see it. Uh, always felt like I was pulling off some sort of heist, some sort of kid heist. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that when I'm a parent and just pick arbitrary things that, like, you're not allowed to watch this, knowing all the while that they will find ways to oh, watch definitely. it and being okay with it. <laughs> so this then is you a have great to- parenting tip. <laughs> parenting 101 for Mikey. <laughs> do it. I mean, if you pick something that is, like, you know, relatively okay, then... Uh, <laughs> 
You're manipulating your child and they don't even know it. Yeah, it's going to be Frozen. I'm okay. going to say, you're not allowed to watch Frozen, and then they're going to sneak watch Frozen, and it's I'm going to, like, scary. peer around the corner and watch it with them, because I love Frozen. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> so, okay. How did you feel about this lady as a character? Um, <laughs> this wife? I mean, it's like any Tales from the Crypt episode and, like, you know, the old school comics and stuff. Everybody is basically this ridiculous, over-the-top stereotype, more mm-hmm. so than a character in a lot of ways. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, like, we don't really know what the dynamic is with her and her husband, aside from, like, he's shitty to her, and she married him for money, but he's not, like, some, like, old guy either, um, mm-hmm. and she's already got a kid, so, like, she uh, was in a relationship or possibly married before, so maybe this is just her MO, she's, like, a Black Widow type, we don't know. She she just, it seems like she just murders him on a whim, like, <laughs> like it's not really planned. He just says some shitty thing and she's like, well, that's it. I'm going to mm-hmm. murder you with this fire poker, which is not like the best way to murder someone else. Mm-hmm. But she's also been communicating with her new boyfriend. Yeah. And so there is like some sort of plan, but it just seems like, I don't know, there were a lot of layers to why I was like not on board with this wife, like like why she's not a sympathetic character. Oh, yeah, she's not. It's like, it's hard to take an abused woman finally like getting one up on her shitty husband and root against that yeah tales from the crypt did it baby well it felt more like <laughs> like ways. they're just like bickering i, I don't know i mean it could, mm-hmm. could have been completely emotionally abusive from what from what we don't see i guess well, also it could but, have been that was the first time he was ever remotely mean to her he could have been a great husband that she married for money and then we see the one time he slips up and it was also the time that she happened to be putting her plan into action. Yep. I guess to steal like, all of his interest money. Because she has the kid. So she he she does like genuinely care about her child. So I think that's mm-hmm. the one thing that they're trying to use to be like, you should like this main character because she likes her kid. It's like that's mm-hmm. literally the only reason. <laughs> yeah. And it's even got this um I always refer to it as the Sopranos homeland dichotomy. Hmm. I think I heard this on a podcast once. What is this? In The Sopranos, we have an abhorrent main character, Mm -hmm. but he's really, really good at his job. And so that's something that we like him for. You can like respect him even if you don't like him, I guess, right? Right. Yeah. It's it like as much as we don't like mobsters, we do like mob action, right? And we like <laughs> it's fun to see Tony Soprano like get beat up a little bit by like a rival crew and then go in and take his revenge in like a really fun, interesting way. Like that's fun. Mm-hmm. Homeland has um a similar like unlikable main character. She makes a lot of bad decisions. They it's pinned on mental health. I can't remember if that's an accurate oh, description or not. Okay. But she's a spy and she's like a really bad spy. Oh. Well, and it's something that I've heard that, like, the writers from Brooklyn Nine-Nine talk about a lot, too. It's like, we can have Andy Samberg be a goofball, but he has to be good at his job. Yeah. He's more on the Tony Soprano end of the Sopranos homeland spectrum. Mm-hmm. This lady, the wife in Tales from the Crypt, is so bad at her job of murdering her husband. <laughs> <laughs> There's just, like, nothing that, like, like, if this escaped mental patient hadn't come and, like, given her a plan out, she would have gone to jail. Yeah, because she was just going to dump his body, like, in a well. Like, they would find that immediately. It's like a well on the property right outside the front door. Like, it makes no sense. And again, like you said, it seemed like she had a plan. Like, she was talking about this. They, they, There was something that was going to happen. Then it seems like she just murdered, murdered him on a whim and is going to toss him in the nearest thing, which is a uh-huh. well. <laughs> 
Yeah, whatever she's got around. Yeah. I think when a body decomposes in a well, doesn't it like taint the drinking water? It does. So if there's even water in there, like I doubt, because they're in a fancy rich person house. I really doubt that's like a well they use for drinking water. Why does she have a well? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) That's a greater question. Like this isn't taking place in 1883. Like there's no need for wells. We have indoor plumbing, right? Yeah, maybe it's like old timey rich money so it's something on the property from a million years ago, but like- It could be a quaint well. Th- this is like a 20 minute short or something, which like they have no time to get into any of that. So like the minute you think about it for a second, it's like, <laughs> that's a weird thing. Why did they do do that? That's a choice. <laughs> well, that's like, what's so funny about Tales from the Crypt is that it, like it's so much more complicated than it needs to be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like- It's one – like, I I feel like the easiest, barest bones take on this story is a nice family. The husband gets immediately murdered by the escape mental patient, and the twist ending is she goes to jail for it. Okay. Yeah. We're on board with the main character the whole time. There's no insane plan. There's no insane boyfriend. It's just like, yeah, easy. They make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. They really do. And there's so many scenes of her just like running around and like closing a door and then the guy doing something. And then (laughs) like they they obviously only have one set, which is like this house in the exterior, like front yard of the house. No more than that, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Um, And then because she'll be like in a little girl's room. And like you were talking about how like when she gets she gets locked in the closet because the doorknob falls out on each side. Right. Like, it's not even like she locked herself in there to protect herself or like the guy got one up on her. It's just like <laughs> a happenstance thing that her, she chose to open and close the door at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, and so like seeing that guy go up there because like that's the whole thing where she's looking for a weapon maybe because she's like pulling the body out and she thinks she kills the Santa guy, but then he like smashes through the window and tries to choke her and then also doesn't succeed at that. And then he goes upstairs. Now that I'm trying to recall, like, how this even happened. (laughs) There's this long scene where she's in the closet and the ladder comes up. Like, that's an awesome image. And that was the moment I realized for sure I have seen this before. Because I was – I remember watching that and being, like, really afraid. Mm -hmm. That really was effective, like, an effective shot. And so, it's like I see trying to work towards it. The way this house is laid out – it's insane. The little girl, like, sees Santa climbing up. And also, this is another, like, really good twist on it. It's like, you're trapped somewhere, and your little girl is going to let what she thinks is Santa into the house. I love yeah. this. This is, like, a great idea. This is a great thing to play. Mm-hmm. The way it happens is, like, what was he – what was this evil Santa trying to climb to? <laughs> he just, like, puts it up seemingly against the side of the house. Yeah. And he crawls well past the window. And then the little girl, like, leans out of her window, and it's very far. And she, like, reaches out her hand to help Santa in, thinking he's going to bring gifts. Yeah. And instead, he's going to bring malice. But it's like, this little girl, like, there's a scene in Batman Begins where Batman and Rajal Ghoul are, like, sliding off a mountain. Okay. And and Batman, like, he has the, the like, it's, it's before he becomes Batman, but he's got the, like, ninja razor blades on his wrist that Batman has. Okay. And he, like, slices those into the mountain and catches Rajal Ghul by one hand, who's, like, unconscious, and, like, deadlifts him up. Oh, my God. Back okay. up. And it's like, I kind of don't believe that. And it's Batman. 
Like, this little girl would have to do that to get this insane maniac Santa into her house. I the guess way that's they true. Have it set, because, so- like, he has the window. She she opened the window because it was, like, too warm or something, right? Even though it's, like, the dead of winter. Um, I don't remember why she did that. Was that – I thought it was maybe to, like, give Santa Claus a way in because, like, the little girl's like, I can't sleep. I need Santa. And she's like, okay, I'll open your window so Santa can get in. Was okay. that it? Ma- maybe. I don't remember. I, I, I honestly don't remember. It, if that happened, I would believe it. Also, if it was as simple as, I'm too warm, and she opened the window, <laughs> I'd believe it. Um, whatever it was, they just need a plot point for the window to be open. So he's trying to go up there. So then when the little girl hangs out the window, she sees him and tries to help him up. But like you said, there's so much distance between him and the window. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> like the ladder can't get up there. So him trying to do that in the first place makes no sense. And then the little uh-huh. girl reaching down. It makes me think they just had a certain length of ladder on set and we're like, it's fine. <laughs> whatever. Like nobody's going to think about this, right? There, there's not going to be people in 2020. 21 making a podcast about this episode and looking at the minutiae of how nothing makes sense. <laughs> it's fine. I do want to point out really quick the director of this episode yes. is fucking Robert Zemeckis. It, it, it's ridiculous. When I saw the credits, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I can't be yeah. real. What? Why is he doing this? I don't know. Why is Robert Zemeckis doing this? I want to talk to him and ask him why he did this. Was it before it he was like bigger? Was it like maybe an entry role or something? He had he had certainly directed Back to the Future by this point. That oh, came yeah. out in 1985, and this episode aired in 1989. So he had directed Back to the Future in the middle of Back to the Future Part Two. I don't know. I don't know why he would do this. Maybe it was like a it's favor fun. to someone. It's like a weird. But- <laughs> you know what it is? There's probably like he had a free weekend, and yeah. that's why there's so many like oh whatever ladder. Who cares? We have to film this today. <laughs> We have to be moving on. I have to record, record Back to the Future too. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis famously does not film movies. He says he's recording movies. Yeah, we know this. Mikey lives in LA. He's heard it. <laughs> As though the movies are just happening and he's like, I just got to be there to see it. <laughs> also, what do you think about the ending where this lady screams for five minutes straight in like the most awkward and annoying way that just like makes no sense? Like we're holding the camera on her face for so long while she's doing this scream instead of like helping her daughter or running away. <laughs> <laughs> They definitely play it as though she's helpless now. Like, it almost has the vibe of her, like, being locked in a prison cell and the prison guard's going to come in and axe murder her. Like, yeah, I don't know why or how (laughs) the, like, the mechanics of it are such that, like, coming downstairs and seeing that he's holding the little girl's hand, she's just, like, she's rendered impotent. She's been holding her own against this Santa. Yeah, running all over the place. The whole time. Yeah, she's doing okay. (laughs) Yeah, she gives up. Yeah. Maybe if it's because if she comes close, she'll get stabbed or like she doesn't know. Even though the news report said he's only killing like adult women. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't well, be thinking about that, especially because she's like, well, I can just say he killed my husband. Yeah. So like she's obviously she, not she didn't thinking hear about the that. news report. Oh, she didn't. OK, so then no, she it was no just like going on while she was outside uh, bagging up her husband or whatever she was doing. <laughs> Can I tell you the other part that gave me the like probably the most stressful moment of this okay. episode for me? So in the very beginning, she takes the fire poker and hits him so that just the point goes into his skull. Yeah. So he's got like a a, a skull wound at the front of his forehead. Yeah. And then she gets the idea later in the episode that axe murder Santa is going to be the one who does this. 
She gets the axe and she goes out and she lifts it above her head. And I'm like, I hope she hits that forehead wound. Uh-huh. <laughs> she has to like get it exactly right. Otherwise, it's like, did he get axe murdered and then also get hit with a forehead poker? poked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't even wind it up at all. And like she misses twice, like on either side of his head. I remember now, now that you were mentioning that, like, yeah, it was very anxiety inducing, but also it was like, this, this is going on for so long and it's so dumb. Like she's so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the joy of Tales from the Crypt is that, yeah. is that exact phrase. This is going on for so long and it's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely entertaining. We should probably rewatch the entirety of the Tales from the Crypt series just because. I need to rewatch that desert episode at least. I, cause I, I can't see be what, what I remember is. it. Yeah. Cause I, I've watched like select episodes, but I have never like marathon the entire thing. Here's what I want. Okay. What, what do you want for Christmas? I Mikey? want a tales from the crypt. That is not a tale. I just want it to take place in the crypt. I want like the crypt keeper to like go after some teens. Cause the crypt keeper is fun. Mm, yeah. But he doesn't really care about going after teens. There, there is like an episode where they talk about his backstory. You find out who his parents are. <laughs> What? Yeah, and like his mom is like a mummy or something. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait a minute. The Crypt Keeper isn't a dead man back from the grave. He is a monster product of other monsters? Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, it's possible they changed his like uh, lore throughout the years or in different like uh, incarnations of him. But like with the TV series, there is a, literally an episode about like who his parents are. Roxy, there is no way. They didn't make that choice so that he could call a mummy his mummy. Oh, that's definitely the added bonus, or maybe the entire idea of the episode spawned from <laughs> that. I would not be surprised. I do feel like every monster or killer from Tales from the Crypt does not live up to how scary the Crypt Keeper is. Well, because he's like a very they they paid special attention with the Crypt Keeper puppet to like make him look mm-hmm. really good because he's in every single episode. You know, yeah. so he's going to get the most attention as opposed to like Monster of the Week. I still like when I watch that Tales from the Crypt uh, like theme song when you're like first person view going into the house uh-huh. and they get to the coffin and the Crypt Keeper like lifts up and laughs. Like I still get a little thrill of like like the best version of a jump scare. Like I love that moment and it's like imbued in me that it will always be scary. Kind of like uh, the dog jumping through the window in the first Resident Evil game. Mm, okay. Yeah. Like Even though I know what's coming, trauma type it was thing. so scary when I first saw it that uh-huh. it's like in my bones how scary it is. <laughs> also, the theme song is done by Danny Elfman, which is amazing. And I completely <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> what a great launching pad for careers this show was even Apparently. though all, everybody working on it already had a great career <laughs> i think it's just because they probably had nostalgia or like like it like like i said these were originally comics like back that's in, true uh like the i'm i should know this i'm gonna say 50s generalized <laughs> 50s <laughs> 60s uh when they were originally coming out so they probably grew up on these things and now they're making a TV show. So they're like, hell yeah, I'll do that. Yep. That's a great point. People love making comic adaptations of stories they loved, as we see today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Watts loves Spider-Man. So he's like, of course I'll make a Spider-Man. Don't even pay me. He does not get paid for those Spider-Man movies. Well known fact. There you go. <laughs> Trivia. Roxy, what would you say is the big idea of this episode of the show? What deep human fear is this episode poking at? I think it's kind of like you reap what you sow in a way. Mm. 
uh, because like karma is coming after her. Mm-hmm. So it it kind of like implies that this this is a just world where bad things happen to bad people. But then you have her daughter being involved in it, where it's like, and innocent people get hurt when bad people do bad things too. They just get caught <laughs> up in it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why the Crypt Keeper at the end has to tell us, like, don't think that the moral has changed. Yes. Yeah. She was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I you, already Mikey? talked about it a little bit, but I think that it is a similar idea that what you're talking about, this dream where you've done something wrong and can never come back from it. Mm-hmm. Like, what's frightening about this mental patient is that he's like karma coming home to roost. Yeah. And I have definitely experienced that, like... I mean, it's a, it's an extreme version of the feeling of just like, oh, I did something really bad and there's nothing I can do to make up for it. Yeah. I guess she's- It's cheating in a relationship. It's, uh, it's, uh, that's the only thing I can think about. <laughs> that's what it is. It's cheating in a relationship or murdering somebody. Yeah. You know, planning to murder someone. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Very poorly. Uh- yeah. But yeah, I, I I hate that feeling. I I like I said, I've had dreams where like you murder somebody in a dream and are just like, well, I'm either going to jail or I'm going to live with this forever. And yeah, and also, I don't like either answer. Yeah, and that time before you like wake up and know it's a dream, you're like living with that. That is your reality. That's what you think it is. And there's always that, that split second where like you wake up and you still think like, oh shit, that's my life now. And then. Eventually, you're like, oh, wait, no, that was just a horrible dream. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank God. Then you have, like, the biggest rush of relief afterwards. To be I like, love that okay. rush of relief. <laughs> yeah. You wake up and realize, like, oh, I didn't murder any Santas. It's a roller coaster of emotion, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy, do you have a question for me? Yes, I do. So, Mikey, it's still the holiday season. This is our last bonus episode of the year. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you, what was your best Christmas present, like, growing mm. up? I had one Christmas that had two parts of it. One I liked better than the other at the time, and one I like better than the other now. All right. It has since flipped. Interesting. The first Christmas, it was the, I think it was the second Christmas the N64 was out, mm-hmm. and all I wanted was an N64, a Nintendo 64 for you laymans out there. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that there's somebody listening with their ear pressed against the scary basement door, and they're like, what's an N64? What the fuck is that? And I could thing? clarify. <laughs> yeah. No, we know. Well, hey, now everybody knows. I All I wanted was this Nintendo 64, and I did get it. And I also got two plane tickets, because my grandparents, who I loved so much, spent the winters down in Texas. Okay. And so I got two plane tickets, or a plane ticket, rather, to go fly down to Texas and spend a week with them. Oh, that's great. And it was awesome, but I remember thinking like, but I just got this N64. <laughs> I you couldn't bring play it with this. you? Like you couldn't just I, bring it? Somehow, like I don't think I understood that I could. Oh, okay. So I just like, I, somehow it the, the understanding was it was staying here and then I was going down to Texas. And so that's great now. Like now I would give anything to spend more time with my grandparents, my favorite people of all time. Mm-hmm. But on this trip... Down to Texas. Roxy, they had HBO. And one night after my grandparents had gone to bed, I stayed up late and I watched the film Species. Oh my god. How Roxy, old were how old were you when you watched Species? Well, it was the first I was in, you know, fifth or sixth grade. Okay. <laughs> I'm assuming Roxy, it was a big awakening for you. That was the they were the first boobies I ever saw. 
And it changed everything. I remember thinking, like, I didn't know you were allowed to show boobies in movies. And being like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> so, you best believe I have never watched a movie more intently than The First Species. We cannot ever cover that movie on this podcast. No, no. Because it means too much to me. Uh, of course, Sexually. that's the reason. Why. Yes. <laughs> but what a Christmas present, huh? A Nintendo 64, a trip to see my favorite two grandparents, and boobies. Yeah, wow, Mikey, you just had the best Christmas ever, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> what was your best Christmas present ever? Uh, so mine is actually kind of connected to a uh, another episode that we, we talked about, <laughs> this element. To, I, I thought you were going to say it's also connected to boobies. Uh, yes, yep, I'm also very horny for species. <laughs> <laughs> And species two, and three, and four, and resurrection or whatever they're at. They they were at. <laughs> Good. I'm glad there's more species to watch. Ah, uh, yeah, more boobies for you, Mikey. You should be happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when I was a kid, I lost like my favorite childhood stuffed animal, which was this like monkey. Uh, that mm -hmm. I called Monkey because I was a very cool, inventive child. Right. To the point that, like, my parents put up, uh, like, lost and found posters with, like, a photo of me holding it to, like, ask, like, has anybody seen this? And, um, <laughs> sadly... Because you lost him, right? Yeah, we don't know how. Like, either, like, I dropped it or left it behind somewhere, which I was usually very careful about it. So, like, I don't exactly know how it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, just gone one day. Maybe somebody even stole it. Which would be preferable. Like, I would rather some other kid stole it and treasured it instead of it just, like, falling in a ditch, you know, and becoming garbage <laughs> or something, which is the thing that makes me most – that's the thing that keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> but so, my my mom was able to find the exact same plush and mm -hmm. replace it for me one Christmas. And I can't remember – I think I think I was young enough that they told me they found it or that Santa found it and mm -hmm. brought it back to me. When it was really like it was a replacement that my parents were able to miraculously find the exact. But same at the toy. time, did you believe it? Yes, at the time I believed it. I thought I thought it had come back to me. So that was the uh, this rules. Yeah, it was the happiest I've ever been on Christmas because I, I love this my childhood best friend <laughs> monkey, mm -hmm. monkey came back. <laughs> That's so sweet. What Christmas did you first see species? <laughs> Um, this year, actually, I, I legit watched Species for the first time like five months ago. <laughs> I had not seen it before. Awesome. What a good movie. Roxy, it on a scale of one to nine, since even on jump scare episodes, 10 does not exist in the scary basement, how likely do you think the events of this episode of Tales from the Crypt are to happen? Um, so I said nine out of nine rich people killing each other to be richer, but, um, <laughs> an unkillable serial killer coming up, uh, coming to get you as like karma for said murder, probably one out of nine. Right. I'd say. We understand that rich people get away with their crimes. Oh yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I went the other way. Okay. Um, and I said a two. All right. Because there isn't anything, like, supernatural that's happening necessarily. This could happen. But mm -hmm. the circumstances that lead to it, it's like, first of all, I don't think mental patients act like this. Yeah. I think it's very rare that your psychosis manifests in a axe-murdery Santa Claus spree. It's definitely, but like, a not, not great stigma of people being in, like, mental right. institutions or being portrayed yeah. in this. But also, the fact that there are two murderers on the same night that happen to run into each other. It's mm, like, mm -hmm. it's unusual for a mental patient to escape. 
It is unusual for a woman to kill her husband, even though most true crime fiction will have us believe the other way. <laughs> the fact that they would both happen on the same night, it's like, it always, it's like two unusual things. And my improv brain, they train you in improv, only one unusual thing can happen. And then you're all reacting to that. That's why I think it makes so much more sense if they just kill the husband with the mental patient. And then it's like, okay, that's the unusual thing is there's a mental patient or the unusual thing is this wife just murdered her husband. Two, no, throw it out, get it out, put it in the trash. Yeah, I mean, I I agree, especially for like a 20 minute <laughs> episode. It's a lot <laughs> to put in 20 minutes. So yeah, I, I agree that the happenstance of that happen, happening in real life, it would have to be one of those things where it's like, truth is stranger than fiction. You wouldn't believe this crazy thing that actually happened. Uh -huh. Sort of situation. Well, and then I would almost argue that two to three more unusual things need to happen. Like, there okay. also needs to be a basement that uh, they find, like, a tome that brings the dead back. Uh -huh. And then they also need to, like, discover a, a rare species of bird. <laughs> it's like, it's Christmas Eve, right? So it could be like an Ebenezer Scrooge thing where her, like, she killed her previous husband this way, too. She just kills all of her husbands. They can't come back for revenge. I love that. I love if her business partner who just died uh, carries his chains to also talk to her while she's running away from there the Santa. Go. Perfect. Oh, and then what if uh, her boyfriend? And uh, it also should have the Muppets. Yeah. There oh, there you go. What a delight. How <laughs> fun would it be if the Muppets were in this? <laughs> They're just like narrating Roxy, it. I don't know. I don't know about you. I think that's the greatest idea I've ever just had. It's just like a Tales from the Crypt reboot, but no humans, all Muppets. I mean, I'd be for it. And then An Crypt anthology Keeper. series where the Muppets are <laughs> committing sins and getting punished by supernatural forces. I think Crypt Keeper would be really happy because then he'd be with more of his own people. More, more Muppets. <laughs> more puppets. Crypt Keeper would be a real person. Oh, oh okay. So we swap it. All right. Gotcha. It could just be flipped. There we go. And now the episode is over. Jump scare! She then opens her little girl's. She then opens her litter, little little girls. <laughs> uh, cut all this, obviously. She then opens her litter. 